May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. <laughs> Say it back. <laughs> May the 4th be with you, Tris. Um, the Mandalorian. I love this show. I think it's a real good spin-off series um, in the Star Wars kind of world. Um, I've grown up with Star Wars. Stepdad absolutely loved it. He went to the very first kind of showing available to him of uh, A New Hope back in the 70s. And, you know, he loved it ever, ever since. I've grown up on the films, the Clone Wars cartoon TV series, you know, Star Wars Battlefront 2 on the PS2. Oh, classic. You know, there's, there's just so much that I've consumed over the years regarding Star Wars. And, and to be fair, they have that period um, at Christmas, as, as Harry Potter does, where the six kind of original films are always on. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And... Uh, I mean, well, they did that on ITV2 for years. Whether they <laughs> whether they kept going with that, I'm not sure. But I, I've, I've always kind of remembered them always being on around the festive period. And, and I have always loved them. I've, I've kind of loved that world. I mean, I, I, I'm i not particularly great with sci-fi, but Star Wars has always hooked me. And I've always liked the story um, and the battle between the, the Empire and the New Republic. And for me, The Mandalorian, as a spin-off season, kind of you know as a as a real prequel to to everything that happened with the films just just really works for me um and with the addition of baby yoda it just kind of really hits the spot it's, it's maybe funny where it shouldn't be with baby yoda but <laughs> it's just that there's a corny side to star wars that this show's yeah. kept um that I, I can kind of appreciate um what did you think of it I mean, it's not going to surprise you much to know that I didn't enjoy this. My <laughs> didn't enjoy the Mandalorian at all. Um, it was doomed going in for me, though, because uh, I don't like Star Wars. I'm not a Star Wars fan. I've never. I mean, it's actually sci-fi as a whole. It's, a, it's the whole genre that I don't. I can't really get behind. Don't really understand it. Um, so I didn't really have. I mean, it was yeah. It was doomed from the offset, but there are aspects that I liked I like the sort of it reminded me a bit of um, Avatar The Last Airbender which is going to sound weird but you know like the sort of episode by episode kind of structure where like each episode is a, is a sort of its own adventure um, and there is they all sort of serve like an overarching plot or like there's you know there's an ultimate villain or an ultimate goal in the background but each episode is kind of disconnected um, only very loosely linked to the previous one you know it's like he's traveling to a different planet this episode and there's another community in distress that he's got to help out or mm-hmm. got to get involved with or you know another friend or foe or whatever um i guess that spoke to like the child in me the kid like the kid watching tv watching cartoon that kind of thing it kind of had that you know watching avatar um that structure i kind of like but i mean i'm really rooting around here to try and find something redeeming to be honest <laughs> mm. so for me and th- and this is going to be a difficult one I- I'm just going to continue to go off on, on on the things I like about the show I-, I will say though I always have the same thing with the Mandalorian TV series where the first two episodes I'm always like um, is this that good I'm not really sure if I'm bored or or kind of you know am I bored and I'm just watching it for the sake of it or is there something here that I really enjoy and then usually always around episode 3 and 4 there is there is an element of the story that kind of hooks me in 
and then I'm and I'm specifically from this series, episode three, which is actually the second lowest rated episode on IMDb of this season, the mm-hmm. um, the convert series three just pulled me in, and from that point I was like all all invested in this series, and I think I remember that happening in series two as well. At the start of it, I was like, "Is this that good?" and then. I loved it. I remember loving it from that is point this, on. Is this sort of slow to catch on thing or like slow to get invested thing exclusive to Star Wars or exclusive to the Mandalorian seasons or is this TV series generally for you? Usually TV series get me fr- from the start. So right. th- this is quite a different one to me. That There are some I've persevered with, you know, there's, there's some where originally I watched five episodes of Game of Thrones left it for six months and then came back and committed to it wow. and then I, and then just really committed to it and then it took me a while but I obviously I, I think because that has a slow build you you just love it more and more as the story progresses which is yeah. how, which is how I find the Mandalorian season by season um, but most of the time I'll know within a few episodes if I want to watch a series but with this it was a bit the other way around it, it, it got to episode 3 and I was like okay no I do want to watch this <laughs> season 3 episode 1 completely lost me like it opens with uh, I think a group of Mandalorian people like baptising I suppose <laughs> welcoming in a, uh, a kid he's, he's stood, they're on a beach she's stood in the sea she's come out with, a, with the helmet she's going to put the Mandalorian helmet on him and then they're attacked by a giant crocodile out of nowhere and it like scrums half of them and you just think <laughs> what is going on and it had no bearing on yeah, the story so- or anything it took our Mandalorian to come to you know the protagonist to come in in a, in a spaceship to actually kill the thing I mean apparently he's the only capable Mandalorian of, like the only capable member of his race um and it, it just I mean it just didn't fit in it made no sense I'm thinking why don't they conduct the ceremony somewhere safer why is it on the beach like... so I, that is one thing annoyed that annoyed me about this series um, and it was one of the only things they needed an, an excuse to introduce him in a cool way at the start of the season which uh, which shouldn't happen you know that, that should be well planned, planned out and well written it seemed like a always back and he's got baby Yoda with him that he was supposed to give away at the end of season two yeah so so that yeah wasn't he supposed to well he did he passes him to Luke Skywalker when he when Luke shows up and rescues him out of shit and 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 there was a reference made in the first episode of this to say oh no I just got him back basically it's it's complicated (laughs) and Luke Skywalker's Um, dropped from the plot completely which I really I can't let a TV series get away with that yeah because it's a, it was a huge fundamental part of this, you know, it was the emotion. At the end of season two, that there was a lot of reaction around the emotion that that, that scene kind of um, generated when he gave him away. Mm. And for, for Grogu just to be back in, with the Mandalorian at the start of season three, just, just really made no, no sense reason. at all. Yeah. Um, I thought season three would be a journey of him getting Grogu back for some reason yeah that would have made sense or him or him coming or them coming to meet paths at the end of this season mm. um, yeah I fully actually when I preferred this because I love 
I love the Baby Yoda scenes. <laughs> I, I really thought that it was going to go down the direction of um, them being kind of like, like splitting the narrative and following like Grogu training with, with Luke and the Mandalorian doing whatever he's doing and then them crossing paths and yeah. when he meets Grogu again he's like a trained Jedi or whatever. I really thought that's the obvious direction that it was going to go. Do you, do you think there was some um, intervention from maybe fan reaction because I because obviously I haven't seen season you kind of watched season one two and three back to back yeah. I haven't seen season two since it kind of last was released and and I I wasn't sure I was remembering it right so it gave it gave Baby Yoda away but then he's but then they're back together at the start of season three as if like they've gone they've massively swiveled on what they were planning on doing yeah, exactly. do you think that is intervention and maybe bad press or do you think I mean, what could that be? Uh, I've no idea. I think it could be. I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, that moment when Luke shows up is like the, the biggest moment in the whole th- of the whole three seasons, isn't it? Like it, it ties the story to the main body of Star Wars and mm. you know, a significant character that we all know and has been around for decades at this point shows up and saves them at a crucial moment. And the season ends, and that's the cliffhanger. You know, yeah. he, he gives well, but then it's. I guess it's not a cliffhanger. In a lot of ways, it could have ended there and then. But then you have to explain why Goroku never appears in the, the the later Star Wars movies that have cut. Or I don't know at what point chronologically yeah. they were released, but you know the Star Wars with Kylo Ren and all of that. Goroku never appears, even though Luke is present as an old guy. Mm. He was never mentioned again. So I guess. <laughs> This is the problem with, with a franchise as large as Star Wars. Like everything that's released in whatever format, whether it's a, a series or a movie or a video game, it's writing over or cancelling out some previous lore that's been created. Yeah. Um, it's a bit of a mess. Yeah. It's like just it's stories on top of stories now and it, and it they've overlapped and sort of cancel each other out so much now that can yeah, actually, before we go any further into this, can you clear up for me like when the hell the Mandalorian is supposed to be set in terms of the original movies yeah I, I mean so I thought it was set way before originally right. um, <laughs> and I don't know where I got that from but so so throughout the whole you know I know the Empire has fallen but I, I maybe thought the Empire had fallen a few times but now <laughs> <laughs> I think they do fall a few yeah. times I mean, they remade the first movie during it recently, didn't they? Yeah. Like the new, a new. Um, what was the first movie of the latest three called? The Force Awakens. Yeah, The Force Awakens was just a New Hope remade, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is a little bit messy, um, and recently finding out that this isn't necessarily set before is kind of. <laughs> really skewed my interpretation of the whole season <laughs> of the servers you're the star wars fans <laughs> um but you know ultimately i don't know if that matters too much there'll be there'll be a graphic somewhere that tells you the whole storyline so i'm mm. fine with that yeah this is the thing for me with star wars like it's so unnecessarily complicated like this and it's such it kind of gatekeeps itself in the sense that, you know, if, if I was a brand new Star Wars, if I'd never seen or heard of it 
or you know never engaged with the, the universe before at all and I was coming to it now where do you start yeah do you watch them in year of release order or do you or watch, do you watch them, them in, in, film in order? yeah in the chron- chronology of events or and I mean I guess yeah and you know the fandom is so divided isn't it because I guess the natural thing would to, would be to to watch the original three first because they were the they were the groundbreaking move but then but now to be honest they're dated and you got a whole section of fans you know the sort of original fans the the older generation that you know your stepdad for example who swear by the original three and say that the prequels were terrible and then you got now you've got is it a trilogy of sequels or whatever and there are some people there's there's a huge group of fans that swear by those that say they're brilliant mm. but still renounce the the prequels mm. it's it's chaos like it's such a divided fandom and like, there's no book yeah that's true and there's no written law upon which to base this on but it's not the case that you know only successful TV series are based on books mm. do you know what I mean not mutually exclusive they're not yeah it doesn't have to have or it shouldn't have to have a book series or something previously written to hold it up although I do wonder how much creative control George Lucas has almost 50 years on creating his original work I mean that's just something I have no idea about Disney owns this now yeah and 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 I think back to and I always speak about Game of Thrones but Mm. series 1 to series 6 of Game of Thrones um, the TV series were based on the George R. R. Martin books. It was well known that series seven and eight were branching away. Were branching away because he didn't have time to write. Well, he'd written past the, the source story. material. Yeah. yeah, and there was a huge drop off in quality. Mm. You, you know, because because the the guy with the ideas of the story was was much less involved. I mean, there, there were actually also. This actually always ties in. The writers that um, produced series seven and eight of uh, Game, Game of Thrones, Thrones actually were, were given the deal by Disney to make some of the Star Wars films. Wow. Um, so probably impacted on quality of both uh, productions. Mm. But yeah, I, I kind of think George Lucas, 50 years on, maybe doesn't have as much control over The Mandalorian. And, and I've seen there's an Andor series as well. Um, so there's loads of spin-off things and he can't like, be involved in it all to tell you the truth George uh, uh, not George oh, yeah. <laughs> George Lucas <laughs> my bad lost control of Star Wars like pretty much after the first three mm. like it's and that, that is the problem with Star Wars for me it's chaos yeah. like it's so hard to work out what what sort of time frame you're in and like what you know wh- what period you're watching whether it's before Luke Skywalker or after him or before Darth Vader or what the hell's going on or if the Jedi Order has fallen yet or if this is the first or second Death Star like Mm. (laughs) uh, it's just I don't know I'm pushed out of enjoying it because of the workload that's required simply to start yeah and what's further frustrating about that is that it doesn't deserve to be that complicated there's no way near the sort of the nuance and the detail that Game of Thrones has or Lord of the Rings has or even Harry Potter has mm. which is a, a hugely controversial I know that, yeah, uh, tough that millions of <laughs> hardcore Star Wars fans are going to have but like 
you know, I'm, I'm guessing that those hard, hardcore Star Wars fans have read books and stuff. But I'm not taught, you know. You're all at war with yourselves, don't come at me. <laughs> um, I, I, there's something that I do want to challenge. Um, now, in, in our last podcast episode, we talked about a new Harry Potter TV series that's going to be based on the original books. And you, you wanting spin-offs, you, you, the potential for spin-offs. And, and the, the Mandalorian and, and other you know, steer, series in the Star Wars world are, are doing that. Mm. They're, they're also not creating... Well, yes, The Force Awakens is very similar to the to A New Hope because there was a joke going around at the time that um, in The Force Awakens there was just a bigger Death Star. Well, literally <laughs> is what happens, yeah. And, um, and they destroy it in the same way. It's the same movie. Yeah, It's yeah. the same movie. But, so, so The Mandalorian is that spin-off series that you want out of the Harry Potter series. Yeah. And I would say it's... You know, I personally would say it's done quite well, but at least it's been done. Right. Look, I'm not mad at the Mandalorian for existing. I just personally don't get on with Star Wars. I think, in my head, this is where we're at with cinema. We, we're not getting original stories at all. I think that's been the case for a long, long time. Like, it's not new that original, brand new original ideas or a single standalone piece of cinema or whatever is going to get loads of attention or even produced. You know, that's mm. that's a difficult thing to do because there's no guarantee that it'll be successful for a producer and there's no guarantee that it'll be worth watching for the audience um, something you know previously existing stories things that have already achieved levels of success are being lent upon you know so we don't have something brand new and creative written what we have instead is a remake i.e. The Force Awakens being simply a remake of A New Hope of the original Star Wars movie. Um, or we have another instalment on a long-running franchise. The example I'm coming back to yet again is Fast X, the mm. 11th Fast and Furious movie. Um, or we have maybe a historical drama or a biopic. You know, we fictionalise and dramatise the life of some again it's a story that exists in history and isn't written or isn't isn't an original piece mm. right you, you're just dramatising events that have already happened whether they're in real life or whether they're pieces of fiction that have been written previously the other option the final option of unoriginal work <laughs> is the spin-off you know we're we're leaning on source material that already exists. We're leaning on lore that already exists. We're leaning on characters and, and stories that people are already familiar with. But we're taking, we're looking at a detail of it and expanding on it, taking that in a new direction. Mm. And that of all of those, in a way, is like the least... I mean, leaving the biopic aside and the historical drama, like leaving them aside as a sort of separate art form for, for this purpose of this conversation... The spin-off to me is kind of like the least egregious of all of those mm. because it's not simply trying to cynically resell you something. Yeah. The Force Awakens was us just being spoon-fed a movie we'd watched before with brighter lights. With exactly and to a and perhaps you know like and targeting it's fractionally different villain. Yeah, and it, it's perhaps targeting a younger audience or whatever, but it's mm. obviously going to appeal to the people that originally watched Star Wars. It's you know oh you remember this from the seventies you loved this here it is again. The spin-off is slightly more forgivable, um, but it's still, you know, it's still the same thing. It's already yeah. got its hooks in its audience, and that's why I don't. I'm not mad at the Mandalorian. Yeah, 
I, to be fair, as you were kind of um, saying that, I actually have original ideas have popped up into my head, and and I wonder is it are we not getting original ideas, or do the original ideas keep just flopping in cinema? They get a huge production value, and I'll, I'll take three from the last three years. Tenet was bad, and, and I know you hate Christopher Nolan. <laughs> just move on swiftly. Um, the Northman wasn't amazing I liked it but I don't think it was kind of amazing it was a lot of there was a lot of kind of filler in there and it was a lot of you know dramatic scenes but not really too much substance to the movie and then Amsterdam really flopped as well and and, and there you've got big stars being put into these um, original ideas to, to draw the audiences but the story's just completely falling on it on the head but equally appreciate you've named three movies there but to throw that back at you the menu everything everywhere all at once bullet train was amazing bullet train which i haven't seen but (laughs) i've heard very mixed reviews (laughs) (laughs) um banshee's vincerin uh triangle of sadness um i mean there's four off the top of my head five yeah bullet train like and i don't know if they've done the numbers that's maybe that's maybe your point like i hear that nothing's been as successful but is that yeah so is that why there's an incentive to just redoing stuff yeah absolutely the numbers aren't exactly yeah because you can guarantee success Mm. the new marvel movie is always going to do 10 100 times better yeah let's see something that i write and produce tomorrow do you know what i mean of course of course it's even if i've got andy taylor joy and chris pratt in it or you know what i mean yeah um and a massive producer or something like that's not meant meant to sound like self-pitying like you know um writers like Martin McDonough or um, Ryan Johnson aren't seeing the same success in the box office or on streaming streaming platforms or whatever that the Marvel franchise is, the Fast and Furious franchise probably is, the Star Wars franchise is and, and the Mario Brothers movie has, you know Let's go on to some comments about the show um and we'll start with one uh, positive one, a ten out of ten rating. I actually, I actually really like um, this rating, and it's about Mandalorian as a series in general. Um, this is the Star Wars atmosphere and feeling I've been waiting for. No dumb humor. There's cool characters and a story I can take seriously. I'm a big fan what with what they've done with this series so far, and current Star Wars filmmakers need to take note. Cinematography is great. You can tell they practically use as much as possible, and CGI is only used for obvious things like spaceships and creatures. It's a truly remarkable balance of old and new. Now, I will actually give them that. Yeah. So there's something I actually there's an element I really want to touch on, and I, and I want I do wonder how purposefully this has been done. The creatures, the puppet-like creatures yeah. that are in the show, remind me so much of Muppets, Crag Rock. Um, gremlins well it's nostalgic isn't it and, and I, now where Mario Super Mario Bros through 80s music tried to force yeah, nostalgia yeah, down yeah. your throat I feel like this subtly is doing delivers it all the way throughout because of the puppet like characters and the and the vocals where the mouth moves maybe slightly after yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you it's, know the, the voice it's comes like out. it's trying to be uh, portrayed to you as one of the original three isn't it? Yeah. Like one, of, one of those first um, yeah. and one thing I found absolutely hilarious is it, the, the one of the very last scene 
where Grogu and the Mandalorian uh, go into the bar uh, in the last episode and Mandalorian offers, offers his services to kind of protect the Outer Rim. And it's Grogu walking into the bar and you and can he's tell he's walking. on strings. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's... The way he walks. I know it's that. That's and crazy, I was like, that it? was the first time I was like, wow, he really is on strings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because his feet were so like bouncy up and down like they were Barely Pinocchio's touching feet. the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just... I can't... I, there were times I burst out laughing in this series where I don't think I was supposed to. Yeah. But like it almost... It endears me to this show a little bit more. Um, and... Yeah, I, I really liked. I that agree whole thing. with the the sort of sentiment in that comment about the the feel of the Star Wars universe being really like really present. Um, it really felt like, as you say, like a kind of traditional like classic Star Wars movie from the seventies. At times, it was you know even I mean, talk about the sort of cinematography. They've still got the sliding transition, you know, which is yeah. like really corny, like. I mean, I'm pretty sure I can do that on in Microsoft PowerPoint. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I give them that. Yeah, I think if you're a Star Wars fan or you're, you know, you're a classic Star Wars fan, you appreciate it. Yeah, there's a lot to be appreciated in this, but yeah, not for me still. Um, <clears throat> so about a negative comment, um, and yeah, this goes on. So we'll, we'll try and um, break it up a little bit. So, one out of ten. It's not a Mandalorian series anymore. It's more like a bad cosplay convention. Um, so this person loved the first two seasons. The first two seasons were totally amazing, but unfortunately the third is a complete joke. Pedro Pascal's Mandalorian has turned into a real dud, just like his character Joel in The Last of Us. I mean, come on, Pedro. <laughs> Can you please play a hero that actually does something? Thoughts on that? Mm, I mean, that's not again. That's not Pedro's fault. That's the writing. If if you know, even if that's your opinion, that surely um, is an opinion about the writing of those characters rather than the portrayal of them. Because Pedro Pascal does portray Joel in a very accurate way to how that character is written for the video game. Um, so your problem is with the Last of Us generally more than it is with the actor. But okay. And don't get me started on the Mandalorian's pretentious gait. It used to be cool and mysterious, but now it looks like he's trying to strut down the catwalk. Speaking of catwalks, <laughs> did you see Pedro Pascal's outfit for the Met Gala? Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think um, him and Labyrinth were kind of in the same thing. <laughs> I didn't. Pedro just had, I tried Pedro. not to pay that much attention to the Met Gala. Um, yeah, it was cool. It was, it was really cool. Um, yeah, he's definitely having a good good few years anyway um <clears throat> I, I will say it's funny that he's doing so well off the back of this because i mean he shows his face about three times <laughs> he might as well just voice acted this guy <laughs> um not even three times i think by the way yeah. but um the cinema the cinematography that used to make his walk look cool now makes him look like a joke so there's some conflicting thoughts on the cinematography the Mandalorian Brotherhood looked like a bunch of cosplay fans in their budget-friendly costumes. Um, the worst part is it doesn't even feel like a Mandalorian series anymore. Some episodes revolve completely around different characters, and even when the Mandalorian does show up, he's not even the main focus in the story. It's like they forgot what made the show so great in the first place. Um, so I think 
that I, there's there's relevance there to um, the third episode where it's completely not about the Mandalorian at all. It's about a convert from uh, the Imperial Army that that's gone through um, a cleansing process to kind of get those bad thoughts out of his head and and be consenting to the laws of the New Republic. Um, I really enjoyed that episode. I thought it was like a fresh spin away from. Um, the Mandalorian's main story but still relevant to the whole picture um, mm. it wasn't that well received but I, I really thought it was it was quite interesting because and, and this is again why I thought it was maybe in the past because it was it was like a developer of the, the ability to clone armies mm. which obviously comes before the Clone Wars which is much further down the line so I think you just confused yeah <laughs> as i am but um but i i really appreciate pre- appreciated that episode because it was more you know story more context around the whole you know uprising of the imperial army and the fact that there was someone within the imperial army that wasn't cleansed properly so was trying to like you reform. know re- you know re- they were trying to reform but also they wanted to stop anyone else from giving you good Technology, good knowledge to the new new order in a sense. Um, mm. I, I I appreciate that episode. Did you did you because it was completely different from the rest of the series. Did you like it at all? Or did you? <sighs> this comes back to my overall problem with Star Wars, which is that it's too big. Yeah. Like yeah, obviously my first big problem is that it's uh, it's just chaotic and I don't really understand it but I feel like even if I did like and this is an issue with Star Wars gen- uh, sorry with sci-fi on a larger scale it's too big and it's not restrained enough and I saw in The Mandalorian glimpses of, of parts of the universe or, or whatever the correct scientific term for that is like <laughs> um, there'd be planets that The Mandalorian would visit or like different societies or whatever that were interesting and I'd be like oh that's kind of cool like maybe that will get explored but it doesn't he gets back in a ship at the end of the episode and flies off to another one and it's you're introducing too many ideas I mean mm. that is the nature of it it's, but it doesn't work for me going back to that comment though all of Star Wars is a bad cosplay convention <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what you were watching this for um Okay, let's so let, let's explore sci-fi. Then. Okay. Um, you wanted to compare sci-fi and fantasy, is that right? Can you give me some detail on? Well, okay. Well, I'm not necessarily inviting that comparison, but what I was just talking about there about uh, Star Wars just being a little bit too big is, you know, is the sort of root problem for science fiction with me. Um, Star Wars specifically has always kind of been like wasted potential to me because there's there are really 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 good stories within the, the star wars sort of lore um the the concept of anakin skywalker turning evil turning bad like struggling with a absolutist order that stands for good but his very character's existence highlights a, a hypocrisy or a flaw in that goodness um and it kind of drives him mad it, a tweet switches on the order and becomes the the anti well the villain right it becomes Darth Vader and that whole sort of character arc all of the sort of social commentary I guess <laughs> you know like the sort of the philosophical commentary I guess 
um, that's present in that storyline, that character's arc, is brilliant. But then, you know, we receive it in such a strange way. We get the second half first, when he's already sort of changed, and then we get and then we get the actual transitional period in that character come in the form of three prequel movies that are loaded with tons of other sort of peripheral stuff to that story. And we get a really wooden performance from um from Hayden Christensen as well. A really poor sort of depiction of that character. Mm. Um so yeah it's it's wasted potential. I know there's like a million spin-offs. I, I can't remember Rogue One at all, but they sort of do the planet kind of, explodes, they all die. <laughs> yeah. I mean they do the sort of like they fit things into the gaps. Do you know what I mean? Afterwards and those stories in themselves tend to be quite good. I don't remember it as I say, but I do remember coming out of Rogue One and thinking that was actually quite good in terms of story. There was one that was a video game, but it was also a book that I that I um, I can't remember what it was called. It might come to me in a minute, but it was about um, Darth Vader's secret apprentice, and it was set between the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, and it was about um, Darth Vader training a Jedi. With, you know, a, a sort of this dark apprentice that he had to be the most powerful Jedi with the intention of ultimately overthrowing the Emperor uh, Palpatine I think his name is and that I thought was really cool because that highlighted that there was still even in even at this point Force Unleashed the Force Unleashed there you go even at this point in the story even in the halfway point even in the sort of the um, the crux of Darth Vader's sort of evil career you know there's still a part of him that's good. There's still a part of him that remembers his old ways and wants to overthrow the Emperor. Um, and that story, so that, you know, there's another spin-off there that's kind of like really good source material for good story. There's really rich kind of like like stories there in the Star Wars universe, but they're always given to us in such a weird way mm-hmm. or in such a sort of underwhelming way. And it's so wrought with confusion and peripheral crap like Jar Jar Binks and all of that. And it's just... Hey, uh, I don't... <laughs> I had a figurine of Jar Jar Binks when I was a kid <laughs> that danced every time you pressed the button. <laughs> I bet that was really annoying. <laughs> yeah, I mean... The Moss Eisley song, just <laughs> on repeat. It's pretty much like Grogu pressing the yes button in that in, uh, IG-11. Mm. It's just always been wasted potential, is my point. And I think that speaks to sci-fi as a larger genre, because... It, it never delivers in quite the way that it should. And it seems like such a shame because sci-fi, to me, in a lot of ways, is like the most imaginative genre there is. It's sort of the most imaginative field of writing. You're talking about speculative futures for like the whole societies. Imagining a completely different society. You know, um, Ursula Le Guin's Left Hand of Darkness, she writes about a planet in which gender doesn't exist at all. Everybody's sort of reproduces asexually and all this kind of thing. and it's about a um, I guess a kind of astronaut or something that lands on the planet um, and discovers that species and sort of like like you know and her land is another short story that um, does a similar thing it's about three guys in the I don't know 1930s or something that uh, come across a civilization in on the, on planet earth that are just women there's no men and they've evolved to not need men and, that's, and this sort of like how these three men engage with that species differently or not species you know the, the civilization differently it's really interesting I think sci-fi is the most imaginative genre but also it's so ripe an opportunity 
to explore things like humanity, mortality, science, science, scientific developments, technological advancements. Like, like, there's so much there. I guess you'd say Black Mirror, which is, you know, just had another season announced. Um, is a, is a science is of the science fiction genre, and that definitely you know is sort of focused around exploring those things. So science science fiction should should really interest me, but what we get is Star Wars, Star Trek, X Files, all the right, and yeah, I don't know. I guess in the same way that Star Wars is wasted potential, science fiction generally is to me. But then again, I always enjoyed fantasy, more like high fantasy, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, more as a kid. Well, mm-hmm. you know, Harry Potter again, like and stuff like that. I already, I always enjoyed those worlds more. So maybe it's maybe this is just a hangover from my childhood. Yeah. Rate the show. Rate the show out of ten. Oh, I hate this. I'll start. Yeah, please. Eight out of ten. I mean, eight out, eight out of ten. Eight. Easy, because for me, as a Star Wars fan, um, there is a ha- there is a thing. First, a few episodes every season where I'm like, I'm not really sure about this, and then I get hooked, and I love the story, and I love the story arcs, um, and I love the characters. I laugh maybe when I shouldn't, but I just enjoy. I end up enjoying the ride, and I end up always always wanting another series and yeah. always wanting another installment and whether that's just because I'm a, a Star Wars fan or not um, I'm not a, like a hardcore Star Wars fan I just enjoy it when it comes most of the time um, so for me I you know that yeah I, I love these series um, I haven't gone into watching the other ones because I, I think the Mandalorian's enough for me I don't feel like I need to consume all of it um, I did try that Obi-Wan series and it was absolutely awful like unforgivably yeah. bad and, and that's what I get I can't I, believe you and McGregor's put his name to that <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, I, and I get you know I, I've seen enough of that feedback for that and, and Andor and Boba Fett that I, I almost don't need to bother um, you mentioned Boba Fett again sorry to interrupt but that's another I swear Boba Fett dies in the original three movies he falls into a hole in the sand I think so yeah into the rancor pit (laughs) yeah yeah. whatever the hell he he falls into that big monster in the sand that eats him yeah he's a character in the Mandalorian which is set after those events well they talk about killing Boba Fett (laughs) just just, but he never appears because I I just read an article the other day that the Boba Fett actor um, said he was awaiting the call to be on the Mandalorian and it never came no but he what but he what but Boba he Fett wasn't in it. Yeah, he is. The... He's not in series three anyway. But he's in season two because he yeah. comes back and gets it. Yeah. Another thing that I'm completely lost about. Um... They make it up as they go along. Yeah. Um, but I'm it's not still... a Star Wars fan, so <laughs> I don't know what the hell's it's... going on. In isolation, Mandalorian's an eight out of ten for me. I'm all. I always want to see more, and I, I just generally enjoy the story. The story often lacks the impending doom and the the real gripping. Th- things that kind of make you remember the story 
Yeah, it always seems kind of like plot, but I feel like that's maybe Disney in a sense. It's like, it's like just it's all Disney. It's all just good. It, la- it, it lacks it. some su- something substantial Death. underneath. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like it's yeah, all all for um, all. Death. However, you know, Grogu through this has has gone on a really nice character arc through the three series. You notice, you notice his, uh, you notice his. Um, Powers becoming stronger as he goes along, and that doesn't and equate that, to that's a nice, nice character. To be. <laughs> that's not a character arc, though, is it? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's probably the best spin-off they've done. But yeah, um, so I will give it that. Of all Star Wars installments, or all the Star Wars universe I've consumed or engaged with, this has been the best thing. That's that doesn't save it. <laughs> like, that's not saying much, but this has been. I think sort of like the most true to what Star Wars is, like piece of TV that I've that I've watched. Um, I did like the sort of single episode by episode structure. The idea that each episode you sort of tune in and it's like, what's what's the Mandalorian gonna get up to today? You know, like who's he gonna encounter and save? And um, and, and I, what kind of did stick out to me as a, for it to me as a negative about that though was that. A lot of the episodes would end with him leaving a planet, saying goodbye to a new friend that he's just made, and then the very next episode, you know, they'd beg him to stay. They go, "Oh no, stay, settle down here," and he'd go, "No, I, I'm a Mandalorian. I got to go off on my next mission." And he leaves, and the start of the very next episode, he gets his ship bust up. He's like, "Oh, I need, we need, we need to go find some friends to repair this," and he's straight back to the planet he's just left <laughs> from, and that character is relevant again and back, you know. So like it. In a way, that made the sort of universe feel really small because the same yeah. five characters kept showing up, or he kept going back to the same sort of planets. Like, so I mean, maybe that was their way of, um, maybe that's the writer's way of sort of com- combating the total lack of restrictions that sci-fi has on it generally as a genre. Um, but yeah, no, I liked I liked the episode by episode structure for the most part. It it was self-aware, especially the first season. Um, that scene with the two uh, stormtroopers on the bike are just chatting, and then this one of them starts trying to shoot like a tin can, and they're just missing. They're, like, shaking, they're <laughs> yeah. like, like, there's like, there's a lot of self-aware jokes. There's a lot of sort of like um, making fun of the Star Wars universe within the Star Wars universe that I appreciated. So I, I'm not mad at it at all. It's just not my thing. So I'm gonna give it a six. I think that's, that's fair. That's pretty good. I think yeah, that's fair. That's pretty good. 